0: Welcome to the Crushing Cashflow podcast, cash podcast, where we share phenomenal advice and dozens of decades of wisdom from investors and entrepreneurs of all types and all stages of their journeys. We'll cover many forms of cash-flowing assets, such as real estate, stock, stock investing, investing, entrepreneurship, and general finance guidance. guidance. Listen in and learn from those who are crushing it out there, as well as those who have been crushed by business or their investments. Now, here's your host, Andrew Shetsky
1: Welcome to Crushing Cashflow. I'm your host, Andrew Shetsky. With me today is Justin Frazier with an S, by the way. <laughs> Justin is apartment syndicator, asset manager, a fellow podcaster, and a real estate investor. He began investing in real estate in 2014, starting in single family like many of us, and quickly scaled into multifamily when he left his job to pursue the endeavor full-time in May of 2018. He's also a Drexel University graduate like myself, so he gets bonus points for that. So, Justin, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining.
2: Thank you for having me, and go Dragons.
1: He, exactly, exactly. So, <laughs> I, I normally open up by, you know, tell us how to get, get into real estate, but I'd like to spin a little bit differently. You know, okay. how did you get into asset management specifically? It's not always the sexiest topic. It doesn't, you know, you don't often see Lamborghinis next to asset management
2: as a topic, right? But how did you how did you get into oh, this world? Man, listen. Listen. Uh, well, how I got into real estate and how I got into asset management kind of overlap. I mean, <laughs> I used to, back when I had a, a a day job, I was a project manager. And so I managed software design and development projects. And so what that really meant was I handled budgets and timelines and made sure people did what they were supposed to be doing. Um, I started building a single family portfolio uh, while I was working. And eventually, you know, since we're talking about asset management specifically, eventually bought my own uh, 40 unit and, um, you know, syndicated that deal on, you know, I, I had a mentor. I, uh, I, but I raised all the money. I found the deal, raised the money, did the underwriting, did all the legwork. And I started managing asset managing it. And, uh, it was two months after three months after closing on that is when I got laid off from my day job. So W2, no more. And okay. so, um, I started hanging around with um, the the guy that mentored me on my 40 unit. Um, just being available, being present in in to to see what you know what was happening with other real estate investors. Mm-hmm. I wanted to um, see you know I, I had some money saved up, so I didn't have to rush into the next job. But uh, I kind of figured I'd I'd go back to work eventually. And so just being around, being available. Um, uh, my now partner Matt um, had was having a, an issue at one of his properties, and and asked me to come along and and drive to North Carolina with him. And I was like, Yeah, let me come hang out and see if I can help in any way. And very quickly we realized that uh, he you know he's a, a big idea guy, and and I'm more of an implementer. And uh, it, it really worked out where I was able to come in and become asset manager for him on that project. And uh, then very quickly, uh, we, we started buying more and more real estate together. So that was in um, the fall of 18. And in 2019, we bought three apartment complexes together with, with a bunch of other partners. Um, and on all of those, I grew more and more into the role of asset manager. And... Um, you know, that's that's really in a nutshell how I got started of, asset managing was I had nothing else to do and I yeah. was available.
1: <laughs> so it started at a necessity, and then you're like, hey, yeah. this is my niche and my way into the larger deals. This is my value I bring. I mean, pretty straightforward.
2: Exactly. I mean, I was a project manager, and project management and asset management have a bunch of overlap. They do. You know, I didn't, I, I obviously had the passion for real estate, I was doing it on the side and i i kind of just figured out how to make you know i sort of think of it as three concentric circles what i'm good at doing which was project management what i like doing which was not software but is real estate right yep. so there's and then what pays me and so in the middle of all of those three things is what i'm doing right now which is asset management
1: and that makes a lot of sense
2: yeah yeah. You know, I found what I'm good at and I figured out how to make it that I can make some money off of it.
1: So now that we know you're the master of asset management, I'd like to back up a few things. So yeah, let's talk about first, let's break it into two sections. Let's talk about sure. pre-closing and post-closing. So what should you look for? What should one look for before closing? If you're the asset manager, hey, you've got this 100 you coming up. What does what my checklist look like? What does my 5,000 foot level process look like pre-closing? Yeah.
2: So I'll tell you, on my team, I we have a team. Uh, we have people that do underwriting. We have people who build relationships with brokers, find us the next deal. And we have people that raise capital. Um, the asset manager sort of sits in all of that, in the middle of all of that. So while I'm not the expert at underwriting, I'm reviewing the underwriting and giving my input, right? Um, same thing with with capital raising and everything else. I'm involved in sort of all the aspects of the deal. But really, when when... The underwriter and and the acquisitions coordinator come to me and say hey we've got we've got something that looks pretty good that's when I get involved uh, and we can start working on a business plan right so the underwriter will put the numbers in the spreadsheet but that doesn't mean that's a solid business plan it doesn't mean that the rate at which they want to turn units or the cost that they're putting in for Capex actually makes sense. So the asset manager has to validate those numbers build out a capex plan, uh, I'll tell you right now, we're working on a, on a deal, and we just submitted the offer today, actually. And so last week I was doing um, all the prep work, and so that meant visiting the property, meeting with the property manager, doing a tour, talking to the broker, understanding as much as I possibly can about the physical condition of the property, and what, and then also looking at the competitive uh, properties. So what what can we take these units, and and what are the tenants uh, or prospective tenants looking at in the market. So if everyone else has granite, for example, well, then I probably need to build granite into my CapEx plan, right? That's just an example. But uh, understanding everything that's happening all around that property, inside and outside the property, that's, that's really the asset manager role is to uh, to really support the, the physical um, condition uh, assessment of the property and then understanding and creating the business plan.
1: That's uh, fantastic. So what what are some of the let's talk about the CapEx side of things? What are some of the big ticket items that you might look for in your top four or five? Is it HVAC? Is it what are you looking for as the HVAC
2: fun? is all always HVAC? There's usually a line item in, in all my budgets for some HVAC for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, because that adds up really fast. When you're talking about thirty five hundred, four thousand dollars, well, you know, you're talking about hundred plus unit properties. I, I mean, do the math, right? Yeah, uh, you can drop half a million dollars before you blink. Yep. <laughs> so uh, so that definitely is, is a key thing, but I also, but that's also a very visible thing. So you can pretty much have anyone walk a property and tell, looking at the condensers outside, how old they are and if you know you got some time left on them or not. What uh, the the key things that we look for really are the surprises, right? Mm-hmm. I like to crawl underneath. Now, not every asset manager is going to do this, and usually you should hire somebody to do this. But I don't mind crawling and looking at the the Pipes underneath, or um, climbing into the attic space to look for, you know, whatever might be up there—the wiring, right? Um, but even beyond that, it's it's just taking the step of opening up the electrical panel. Is this a, a panel that is current and updated, and and not going to catch on fire? Because there are a lot of types of electrical panels that are outdated but have not been replaced, especially when you're looking at like. 70s, 80s apartment complexes,
1: aluminum wiring um, sometimes, yeah,
2: aluminum wiring, yep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, you know the old uh, uh, stab stablock panels, and and so these things that you know are uh, not that hard to find, but you need to to be aware of what's happening. Understanding the um, plumbing on the property, understanding the just looking at the the terrain. Right? Is there water that's going to be pooling? Um, safety issues? Are the trees that are about to to fall down on on some roofs? you know, we have a property that that we bought this last year and we spent $65,000 on, on tree work, uh, like the first week, because we had some really nasty looking trees that were overhanging the roofs and that's a safety issue. So, uh, you know, just sort of all, all sorts of things that, that you might want to look for, but it starts with, you know, tenant safety, number one Mm -hmm. and staff safety. Um, and then things that will cost us more in the long run, like leaks and, uh, you know, bad electrical and and all of those other things.
1: No, it's perfect, perfect. Yeah.
2: So we, that was that was great. That was a great recap. Uh, pre closing. Sure. How
1: about okay? We've got the keys. We're closed. What do you do? Dave? That's when the
2: fun begins. Well, okay. I'll, I'll tell you one other thing. Not necessarily related to the physical condition, but for pre closing though, is to hire find and hire your property manager mm-hmm. because uh, that. The property manager, at least where what we do, right? We buy 100 plus unit apartment complexes, um, usually larger than that. And the property manager is going to be the absolutely most critical team member that you have uh, on your property because absolutely. they are the company that is literally working on your investment. They are going to be your employees. They are the people whose policies will uh, reflect and result in how much money you collect each month and what kind of reputation you have and what kind of uh, people are handling the work orders when they walk into your tenants uh, units. So, you have to find a property manager that knows how to uh, handle the size and type of asset in your market. So, if I'm I'm looking at a
1: I'm glad you brought that up. How are you finding
2: your property manager? Do you have a secret? Oh, well, okay. So I ask everybody. Yeah. So, I mean, if we're in a market and we try to only stay in the same market, so I know most of the property managers, but if you're looking to get into a new market or just getting started, um, I would ask, who do you know in that market? And I would start start there, right? So do you have a broker? Well, that broker probably knows a few property managers. Do you have a local lender? Well, they probably know a few property managers as well, right? So start asking the just the people in your immediate circle. The other thing you can do, is go look at some competitive properties or properties that you might like, right? Uh, lots of times those properties will have websites and on those websites, in the bottom right-hand corner is going to say, you know, managed by X company. I've done that. And there you go. Start making phone calls, right? Yeah. It's right there. So it just takes a little bit of legwork. Um, the other thing you can do, I mean, you can obviously ask on, you know, forums. There's all kinds of great Facebook groups or um, investor groups online that you can definitely ask. And, um, and if all that fails, then call me and we'll figure yeah. out <laughs> how to find you a property manager. But they're, they're out there. You just have to do a little bit of legwork. And then um, we have criteria. We have pretty strict criteria. And so, it's basically a giant spreadsheet that I'll put together. The first column is all my criteria. So, it's all centered around their level experience in the same size property, in the same as close to the area as possible, in the same similar size asset. So, If I have a property in in a town, um, it's a C-class property, Mm -hmm. I probably don't want an A-class manager, right? It's just a different level of management. Their payroll is probably going to be way too high. It's just not going to work. And uh, if I might, let's say I have a great C-class manager, but their headquarters is six hours away and there's not really much support locally. Well, that could be a problem too, right? So you have to have someone that's close to the asset as possible that does what that property is. And the same thing with size. The size is crucial too. So, if I have a manager that only does 30 unit or smaller, but I'm looking at a 200 unit property, they're probably not going to be a good fit either. So, I have all my criteria and then each column is the name of each of these companies that, that I might be investigating. And then I'll just start doing the homework and making phone calls and setting up interviews and just talking through to figure out who's going to be the best property manager for me. And then if I get it down to the top two or three, then I'll probably go and interview them. And I want to not only sit face-to-face and interview them, but I want to tour other properties that they manage. I want to see how well they're kept. And I want you know report examples, financial examples. Um, And I want to see everything, all the deliverables that are beginning on a monthly basis. I want to see all of that. So really, really in-depth. The more upfront work you do, the more it's going to pay off because you're going to realize you're not, you don't want to be stuck with, with a poor property manager that's not going to understand or execute your vision
1: solid gold. For those yeah. listening, if you're new to this, go back, listen to that two, three, four times. So thanks for that. Thank you. back course. to we, we, we deer out a bit for, for a very good purpose. So back to
2: post-close. Uh, okay. So now closing, um, we start with a business plan. And so my property manager, who I've just gone through all that work of hiring, is going to have the business plan, not only have it, but have been part in creating the business plan. And day one, we all sit down with the same plan and we review it again. Here's where the rents are. Here's where the rents are targeted. Here's the scope of work for our renovations. Here's how many re- units we have to renovate this year and next year. Here's our major CapEx list and the vendors we need. And it's like, there's no, there's no, the the worst thing you could do is wait for anything. You have to hit the ground running. So the sooner you can get everyone on board, get those CapEx projects, get the bids rolling in, the better off you're going to be, especially right now in COVID. It's very hard to get materials. We're getting materials delivered here in March that we ordered in December in some cases. So we are very backed up. So the longer you wait to execute on your plan, the worse off your assets going to be. So start right away. That's my major piece of advice there. So we start with the business plan. Everyone's on the same page and we just start running through our CapEx. Now we do C-class value-add multifamily. And for me, that means we're putting a lot of money into our properties, yep. not only in the units, but we invest, again, like the safety and security things that I mentioned before, trimming trees, improving lighting. Um, if the property has, you know, crime, we'll pay for the police to do extra patrols at night. Um, and so we start to turn around the perception of the property right away um, through all, you know, a hundred little things that that you could probably do. Um, but we also like to put amenities in. So we'll put in playgrounds and parks and walking trails and and all these things that that really makes makes a property, we call it making the property sticky for tenants, meaning they're not going to want to leave. So if we give them a great experience and a great unit and, and a great you know, playground or pool or whatever, then they're going to be able to handle those rent bumps when they come in the next few years too. So, so we invest all of that upfront to make the property as attractive as possible.
1: And not to mention attractive to the next buyer as well when you got, guys-
2: oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's great, that's great, yeah, yeah,
1: so next question from my end, what are you what major lessons have you learned the last couple of years? Uh, is it around property management? what what what's come what comes to mind? What are your top two or three juicy ones?
2: Yeah, so uh, I covered a few of them already and and that's why I speak about them so heavily in twenty nineteen, I fired every property manager I had on every asset uh, at one point or another throughout the year. Because once I realized what a great property manager could be, I realized how poor property management I was putting up with. And so you realize, oh, wait, this is not how it should be. Poor reporting is not the norm, and not knowing where the money's going is not the norm, and uh, being slow on the lease up process. I mean, all these things that a property manager can do. And if you're not on top of them, uh, your asset's gonna suffer financially. So uh, have a great manager and don't be afraid to fire that property manager. Um, it's always terrible firing a property manager because you know you're putting people out of work and all that. But also, it takes a long time for a new manager to come in and get up to speed and get things corrected. Sometimes a year. If that pro- we had a property manager that was um, signing up uh, tenants but not charging the right rate <laughs> for the rents. Um, basically, they were charging the. Uh, we have an all inclusive utilities rate and a non-all-inclusive rate and say so we're giving them the utilities but not charging them for the utilities. That's like and that takes that takes a year to burn off, right? When you realize that like, okay, now I have to wait 12 months for that lease to come up again and start charging them properly. So a property manager, a bad property manager can hurt you so badly uh, for so long that it's, it's absolutely important that you have the right manager in place. Um, the other thing is to come in well-funded you know, a lot of times people are, are syndicating a deal and they're trying to raise the bare minimum amount to get the deal closed. I know I've been there, um, you know, on that 40 unit that I did, it was like scraping by just to get the deal done. But when you don't have enough cash in the bank, you can't weather a storm. You know, you can't deal with uh, a few extra HVACs that go down. You can't deal with uh, maybe a global pandemic that hits and rent rents aren't where you want them to be. You know, there, there's... A thousand things that can go wrong when you own a multifamily property. Mm-hmm. Having a little bit of extra cash can really go a long way to to helping you, you know, weather any kind of storm.
1: One question back to the, pro- I got two actually. One on the property sure. manager side. What's your cadence for engagement look like? What's the right level of like, hey, I don't want to micromanage them, but at the same time, I want to know exactly what's going on. What How much time are you spending? What's the cadence look like?
2: That is a great question. And it's different for every property and different for every I'd say phase that the property's in. So, when we are in the very early phase of a, of a property ownership or with a new manager, um, we're going to be very high touch, lots of lots of touch points. Once, sometimes twice a week, mm-hmm. um, the property that we've owned for almost six months now, uh, I meet with my managers twice a week on that, okay. just because there's so many things going on. Capex is still catching up to to speed. You know, we just had a bunch of. Tenants leave, and which is good news, actually, because they were troublemakers. Um, So there's a lot of moving pieces. So very, very high touch, like two formal meetings a week. And I probably talk to my regional manager every day, uh, sometimes multiple times a day. I've spoken to him three times this morning already, um, just on different things. And that's fine. But then I have other projects where our CapEx is mostly done and we're stabilized in the mid to high 90% range. I don't have to interact with them as much. We do have a once a week check-in, um but even those meetings tend to get shorter and shorter and shorter where you, you well, yeah maybe we could probably start doing every other week really um, and then I also like to visit our properties as much as possible, especially in the beginning in that high touch phase. I would say if you're if you're a new property owner or or just taking on a project that's got a lot of capex going on. You know, I wouldn't go more than four weeks without visiting one of my properties. Um, If it's stabilized, you know, maybe you go every two to three months. Maybe start to stretch that out a little bit as you get comfortable, because there's just not that much else to do.
1: Now, how about on the reserve side? I mentioned you you know, it seems to be a common problem. Either underestimate, you overestimate, and dilute returns. What's how do you balance that? How do you size up? How much should I stack on as contingency, for example?
2: Yeah. Um, it's very hard because we all want as large a budget as possible, and then you look at what that does to your returns, and you say, "Okay, well, <laughs> well yeah. that doesn't work," you know. Yeah. So it's really a balancing act, and I kind of the way I'll build a, like a scope of work will be must haves and like to haves, nice to have, like that. So if we're going to renovate units. Well, I must have a new set of appliances and refinish the countertops and the vanity and like, okay, so I've got my must haves. But then the nice to haves might be, well, maybe we can put a playground in over there and maybe we can um, refresh that that pool area and buy some new pool furniture. And so there's sort of like an order of priority for the CapEx project. And I will then add a 10% contingency onto all of that but the flex there is these these nice to haves. And so when we end up, you know, I might give my w- sort of wish list to to our underwriter and say, "Okay, I want, you know, 6 million dollars of of capex here." And he's like, "Well, we can afford 4. Let's figure out where to cut." So we start with the must haves and then we work back and see what the nice to haves we can we can include.
1: No, I love that. Wow. Yeah. There's a whole lot here to unpack. I won't even try to <laughs> recap it and do it justice. So I just advise again, anybody listening, go back two or three times. This is like a crash course in asset management. So it's a lot. It's a lot. I mean, it really is. And, and you know, if you go too much more detail, you're to have to write a book. So <laughs> uh,
2: maybe, maybe one day we'll see.
1: That was awesome. So thanks so much. Last question, yeah. my end, how can listeners get in contact with
2: you? Oh, well, listen, if you want more on asset management, I have a podcast all about asset management called True Multifamily. No way. And uh, yeah, <laughs> imagine that. Um, we talk all about asset management, construction management. I have great guests on, but I talk about uh, our projects as well. And I talk about how we underwrite deals and do our due diligence and and just the whole relationship and all. A lot of the topics that we covered today uh, I've had I've done episodes on so there's a lot of great content there so you can hit me up at uh, Justin at TrueMultifamily dot show not dot com but dot show I'm on show. Twitter Instagram Justin uh, underscore eighty eight real estate on Instagram but yeah find me uh, find me anywhere there um, I'm around
0: dude solid gold thanks so much yeah thanks for having me thanks for listening in with us for another episode of the Crushing Cash Flow podcast. We have a small favor to ask of all of our listeners. Please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Each subscription and rating will help us massively toward our goal of helping reach as many listeners as possible each week. Thank you very much once again for listening. We're thrilled to have you with us as part of this journey. And we can't wait to share more of these stories with you. Stay tuned for much more to come.